Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in yet another sunny day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Samuel Meekin, Managing Director at Dean Healthcare, a company specializing in the provision of care professionals to the health and social care sectors. Samuel, hello. Hello, Matthew. Thank you for coming on the program today. We might as well dive straight in. What does the word leader mean to you? Um, okay, so a leader for me is um, somebody who has a clear vision of wanting to achieve something um, and can have the attribute sorry, to inspire uh, the people around them to, to not just achieve that, but to over, overachieve at what they do. Um, somebody who's ultimately responsible um, and they will make the, the key decisions um, at the times when, when they're really needed and, and therefore take ultimate responsibility for those, for those decisions. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's, that's a leader. And how would you describe your personal leadership style? Okay, well, I mean, it's. I think you're only as, as good as the, the people that you lead. Um, in my experience, I mean, I always try to take, um, you know, definitely a more, a more empathetic approach to, to leadership. I think understanding um, the full needs of, 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 of the business or, or who you're leading. Um, but regards to being empathetic and open-minded, to the individuals, you know, people are people, um, and therefore they come with, with with their own individual challenges. So, so how they, you know, how you can inspire them to, to work around that and, and do better, no matter what they're experiencing. Um, but what? yeah, definitely taking that so that sort of ultimate responsibility. Um, as you as you just mentioned, though, there people mm. are people, and uh, yes. people are certainly not infallible, and no. uh, they can be challenging at some points. How do you Absolutely. handle conflict within the workplace? Well, I think the whole idea of conflict is is, is, is to not get drawn into it, um, to be kind of calm and collected at all at all times. Really, um, I think you know if. You, there, there are times where you would <laughs> where you'd want to lose it more than more than you you, know, you do really. Do you know what I mean? So being calm and collected in confrontation, I think confrontation is never really a good thing. Um, so being able to act, so part of a leadership is actually being able to to um, to tame any kind of conflict and actually be 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 able to to dull it down um, and to be able to control it um, more than more than kind of get involved with it. Um, I certainly feel that, I, that you know there are times that we need to do that and kind of make sure that. The challenges that other people are going through that I'm able to um, to help them through those. Well, let's take a little uh, journey into the past, um, back to the very beginning of your career, the start of your yeah. working life. Uh, yeah. When you first started out in the world of work, were there any particular yeah. individuals or circumstances that really shaped the way that you lead today? Um, yeah, God, I, I think I think working working from the bottom. <laughs> I think there were uh, there were some jobs that I undertook very early on that that taught me that I wanted to do better, um, you know, and wanted to be better. Um, in terms of people, not necessarily. You know, I'm, I'm very lucky with with having the uh, you know the, the, the other directors that I work with at the moment. And like I say, I think when you're um, when you're working with people, you need to make sure that you're working with the right right people. I think too many people, so-called leaders. Um, get intimidated by the success of those around them, um, mm. whereas really embracing the success of your colleagues 
uh, and inspiring people to achieve um, and making them better. That that for me is 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 what's inspiring to be a leader. It's, it, it, it's getting more out of, of, of the people that, that you're you're trying to lead um, and seeing the successes that they get from it. But I don't think there's necessarily any individuals that are, that I would look at um, per se as, as inspired. Obviously, there's, there's people in. Um, you know, sort of popular culture and, and sport and things like that that I take take kind of, you know, see them as good leaders. But but I don't think personally there was anyone particularly that, um, you know, I, I would have I, I kind of took that from. It, it's all stuff that I've learned myself on on the job, I suppose. And and as I said, that's more about the people around me and the challenges that I faced as well. That's actually an interesting uh, concept you just brought up. Um, mm-hmm. Out of those well-known uh, individuals, which sort of leaders inspire you? Well, I always remember, I mean, I'm a rugby fan and, and obviously Martin Johnson. I remember um, back in the, the, the British Lions tour 1997, uh, they did a, a kind of documentary, behind the scenes documentary, Living with the Lions. And, and I just sort of think he's all the ethos Martin Johnson brought to, to leadership, you know, kind of really on the front line, almost like that kind of military type leader, but on, but on a rugby pitch, you know, and, and kind of backed it up. Um, you know, and what were, those sort of people say the words that they say people really are inspired by them and are willing to, to kind of get behind them um, but then those words turn into actions as well uh, it's all well and good saying stuff but then you've got to put it into place I think I've been very lucky to, to kind of um, work from the bottom in, in, in our company and work my way up so therefore I've, I've been able to, to have a part or understanding of every facet of the company and the business um, and I think having that understanding has allowed people to, has allowed me to lead others um, because I can be kind of multi, um, you know, uh, you know, multifaceted and, and, and kind of able to do a, a multi, a variety of different roles within the company, um, and therefore people see me see me doing that, and therefore I suppose it, it kind of it helps. <laughs> yeah, it definitely helps. Now, of course, uh, being that we are currently in the middle of the uh, coronavirus uh, outbreak. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that your sector is incredibly pushed at the moment um, and it can be a very stressful time for those uh, that you are leading. Uh, How do you handle uh, uh, employee stress and prevent burnout? Well, uh, like I said, I think think honesty and integrity are a big part. I didn't mention that really. I think they're the two key attributes of being a leader. And I think when it comes to honesty, if you instill honesty with your workers and, and expect nothing if you're honest with them and expect nothing back either uh, but honesty then that kind of you know if, if people therefore get stressed then they can be upfront and honest about it and you can work through it um, stress is usually based in my experience on um, some sort of factors whether it, whether it be inside or outside of work so if you can understand what it is that's making somebody stressed then you can look at working at ways of, of making it less stressful for them um, so I think being honest and upfront is, is the key to that. Really, when, once you do that, and you, you can, you're approachable enough to, to kind of bring that to the table and tell somebody that you're stressed. I mean, a lot of people, um, you know, build up stress without um, without being able to address it. Uh, I think by having that kind of ability to to allow people to be honest and upfront with it will allow you to to address it and allow you to move on from it. Now, of course, uh, another part of being a leader is preparing the next generation of emerging leaders. What's your yes. advice to those coming up through the ranks today? Be open-minded, um, you know, in terms of, yeah, people. Uh, don't don't kind of get too ahead of yourself. Um, 
you know, I think some some people kind of get a position of, of management or leadership and, and, and they will go to their head a bit, really. I think you can still be still be grounded and be a leader. Um, I think ultimately you need to, to make sure that you're you're taking everything in and that you have the understanding of, of, of different parts of, of a role so that you can pass that knowledge on to people. Um, but certainly from younger people, yeah, be, be, be open-minded and, uh, you know, don't, don't be scared to challenge yourself. Don't be scared to make the wrong decisions. You know, you learn, you learn a lot from, well, not deliberately wrong decisions, but if a wrong, if you do make the wrong decision, then, then don't, you know, learn, learn from that. Most of the, the, the things I think that I've, um, learned from have been the most difficult situations and the challenges and the things that don't necessarily go right. Well, it's how you, resilience to, to come back from that really and, and how you deal with it um, and I think that resilience is, is key certainly for young people nowadays I think there's not enough of that I think people need to be more resilient um, and I think if you can be then you can um, you can get through a lot more yeah. now unfortunately our time together is drawing to its close but before I let okay. you go what does the next 12 months have in store for Dean Healthcare well that's that's a good question at the moment to be honest with you Matthew I think with the um, the challenges that are faced generally within the sector, um, particularly around staff shortages and, and um, you know, being able to, to, to get people to, to do the work. Um, but I think with, with the current situation regarding COVID-19, it's very uncertain times for us at the moment. I think we've, we've got to keep on track and try and do what we need to do. Uh, we're very good at what we do. Um, but we have a lot of um, people responsible, people at risk who are, who are responsible for, for us and, and for us to make, to make to support them in their daily lives, and therefore we've got to kind of keep on track on that. And um, yeah, it's definitely a year here for, for not not you know growing or, or going too too crazy this year. I think we need to take stock and, and, and take on the challenges that, that the industry face and we face. It's, it's going to be a difficult year, but um, but yeah, we're we're ready for it. Hopefully, um, just depends how the next few months go. So it's very uncertain times. Um, but you know, I, I'm, I have faith in, in the people in, in, that we have in the company and, and the people I have around me, definitely. Um, but yeah, yeah, uncertain times, unfortunately. <laughs> I wish I could be a bit more direct on that, but it's, uh, well, it's definitely a bit uncertain at the, at the moment. So. Well, Samuel, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the no, program today, and we have to have you back on when things are a bit yeah, more indeed. settled. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Samuel, thank you. No, thank you. Cheers. Thank you, Matt. That was Samuel Meekin, Managing Director at Dean Healthcare. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it, and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times but when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Although there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me who realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool. Many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be <laughs> playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time. Mm. 
being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood. And of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that, of that calibre can have a huge influence on your, your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like like, uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the colour of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. And what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only... Uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly all walks of life. Leadership is at the top; is absolutely vital for a, a for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in a, many of the car dealerships. You could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Al Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that, but obviously... 
uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, especially I say about Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years, he it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people... And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn sheet, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff and I think that's one thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learnt over a long period of time And is there do you think uh, a, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens but is there a specific moment if you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply Yes I think for, for me certainly um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm-hmm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of a group. Um, so that, that's, that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing... Um, in it, only a few games before I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final and it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my, my form that I been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So I, I had an impact of thinking I, at that stage I like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the 
prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt, people talk about pressure a lot, and it's there, and people, players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very... I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we have some great players, but overall they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I... I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal and I looked round, put my foot on the ball and looked round for a little while and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, look, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey, or Channel Lines, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening, and there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is- 
Uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. Just, but then I, again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, laugh, it. If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you were a young man when see, this happened. When you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by by one way or the other? people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... Yeah, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, um, well, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with... Um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader. Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to. Their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely, that's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely. Mm. You've got to take him as the first example. But Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that. Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone how they they are not doing so well he's the best example of management I've seen we've seen we've probably ever seen and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again it's absolutely astonishing astonishing 
And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, well, the, the answer is straightforward. The answer is yes. Um, That's a good they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate and I wouldn't pick any one player out. I think looking at so that... So many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many... Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And I've been going back from an earlier earlier question for me: the um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with, all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. the, um, uh, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't I... when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those. I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude (laughs) alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word, the word is team. The word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, Jeff, uh, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. I don't think you can switch off. When you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level, you may, you know, have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday. But I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks 
um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over the go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.